0: Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Let me ask you, have you ever had a crush on a teenage heartthrob? Well, today's guest, Daisy Page, finally had a chance to meet her teenage heartthrob, Kirk Cameron, from the TV sitcom Growing Pains. It was one of the many unexpected moments in Daisy's life. Now Daisy is a survivor of abuse and her book, Unexpected Moments, shares her journey through life and serves as a really timely reminder to all of us that you never know what is around the next corner. So I feel incredibly privileged to have had this conversation with Daisy as she has generously shared her time with me to have this conversation when her health is failing her as she battles with an insidious disease called multiple system atrophy. Now, this is a terminal illness and there is currently no known cure for it. Now, you can actually help Daisy to raise money to research for medical studies and clinical trials into finding a cure for msa by simply purchasing a copy of her book unexpected moments you can do this by going to the episode notes where you will find a link and in a moment you're going to hear daisy's sweet voice read the forward to the book that kirk cameron actually wrote for her and she'll read through that before we dive into the interview and if you'd like to listen to the rest of that story about daisy meeting kirk cameron which isn't in the interview um it's fallen outside of it in the behind the scenes um conversation that we had and that is really easily accessible to you once you become a patron of this podcast and to become a patron you only need to donate as little as $1 per month so you can find a link to become a patron in the episode notes and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future podcast episodes okay now it's over to Daisy
1: he says it was an autumn night in Texas when I first met Daisy she came up in a wheelchair next to me at the campfire her smile was bright she shared her journey with me and told me she did not have much time left on earth I told her to write down her story and I would do anything I could to help her share it with the world I only spoke with her briefly that night, but her attitude and resilient spirit inspired me. I hope this book of an individual's incredible journey through emotional, physical, and spiritual pain and coming through the other side of tragedy, still praising the Lord, will encourage you in your present situation. Daisy's message will bring you comfort and remind you that you are not alone in your struggles or life circumstances. I pray her words bring you hope. There is one who knows the plans he has for you, plans to give you hope in a future. Jeremiah 29 11, Kirk Cameron.
0: Let's take a quick break to breathe and hear about how to find the keys that you need to be free. You're off to a great start because you have found this podcast to help you to heal your heart. Now each episode is jam-packed with support and inspiration but don't forget to check out the episode notes which is set up to be your life support station. In there you'll find links to a crisis support list plus a way to contact us and so much more to help you close the door on fearfulness and pick up the keys to a life where Good things aren't going to be again in store. Okay, take another breath and let it go and turn your attention back to today's show. Just a caution if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello, Daisy, and a very warm welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. Thanks so much for coming on as a guest today. I'm really excited to have a chat with you and um, just get to know you and talk about your book that you've released um, and what what got you to that place of writing that book? Uh, Yeah, just uh, if you could share just a little bit about your journey to this point, Daisy, that'd be wonderful.
1: Yes, I'd be happy to. First of all, I just want to thank you, Sandy, for having me on the show today. Give me a chance to share my story throughout Australia and many other places. Um, But I'm, I've lived in Texas most of my life. I've moved away a few times for about four and a half years, but some sort of tragedy or trauma always brings me back home. So home is where I figured, I finally figured out is where I'm meant to be. So I can be with my family and uh, friends that I went to school with. Um, every time seems like one of the tragedies or traumas hit i was far away from home so that made it even more scary um there were a couple times you know i said i, I thought i didn't want to or i did almost didn't make it you know i've had my skull fractured um i've had several head injuries um, I've had to be stitched up and stapled up numerous of times and it's nothing anyone should have to endure. I don't think anyone should have to ha- have to live with physical or emotional or sexual abuse in any relationship or any kind, any kind of manner for that reason.
0: Yeah. Can you share a bit about your um, journey and your experiences with um, abusive relationships, Daisy, and perhaps, you know, like um, if we could just, have a chat about you know when that started for you if you if you saw like a first, you know first instance because I know already and I think it'd be great to talk about um, it being more than one instance more than one relationship and how how common that is For women to fall from you know the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. Yes. That's a
1: good way of looking at it. Because that's exactly what happens. Um my abuse started when I was about nine years old. And I was sexually molested for four and a half years. And and that happened until I was, you know, a little over 14. It was my brother. He moved out, and then um, I got raped by my first boyfriend. And both of those times, I never told anybody. And for about a year or so, um, I did go to some physical therapy, or not physical therapy, but um, a m- mental health therapy. You know, see counselors and psychiatrists and they brought my brother and my father in for a meeting. And my therapist asked me to say what, you know, what, what was bothering me. And I told them, I said, first of all, I was raped. You know, um, I blamed myself because I snuck out of the house. I shouldn't have done that. But they, they, my brother jumped up and said, who was that? I'm going to go kick his butt. And I said, why? Why are you so mad you know you did it more times than once you you did it for four and a half years to me he said oh you've just got it mixed up your head's mixed up with the right i only did it one time out of children's curiosity you know childhood curiosity so he admitted to doing it one time but my father didn't believe me he went along with my brother and believes my brother even the therapist tried to convince my father that it didn't it wasn't in my head it wasn't in my mind that my brother had done this but I guess you know he didn't want to believe that his own bro- his own son could do this to his sister you know his his daughter.
0: Can I ask you Daisy was your mum was your mum around at the time too was she part of that conversation that you had you know I'm just curious as to why it was uh, two men you know in your uh, family who were there at that meeting with your therapist and um, why mum wasn't there also
1: no my mom passed away when I was a small child oh my god I'm so
0: so sorry
1: my father had remarried when I was young and Mm. I actually thought my stepmom was my mom and that after I found out that my stepmom wasn't my real mother, that um, she didn't give me, birth to me, they told me who did, you know. That's when the abuse started because my brother emotionally abused me as well by telling me that if my mother wasn't dead, she if I wasn't born, she wouldn't be dead. She'd still be alive. So he kind of blamed me for her death. And Even though I was young when she died... I started to believe that, you know, that it was my fault, and I just kept telling myself over and over, you know, it's your fault your mom's dead, you know, you don't, you don't know your mother because she's dead because of you, you know, that sort of thing, but my, I didn't know my father did not tell my stepmom about the abuse, and just about two years ago, I shared with her the story and she told me that she wishes that I would have told her because things would have been different. And I said, well, I thought if Dad told you, I I trusted that he would have told told you. And she said, no, he never said anything to me about it or I promised you I would have been there for you.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry, Daisy. I, uh, You know, I've just recently talked about how – um parents will go into denial about what their children have been through, the abuse that their children have been through, whether they're um, whether they're children under the age of 18 or whether they're their adult children. when things are too much for them to come to terms with, then they'll put it go into denial and that is then an extra, an extra layer of hardship for the person who's been abused because they're not being believed or understood or validated by the people that they need support from the most and it breaks my heart to hear that that has been the case for you um and because it it takes so much courage to face your parents and share those vulnerabilities with them and then on top of it not be believed for the things that you've experienced so I'm really so sorry to hear that that's been your experience um I really do think um that I'm a little bit uplifted to hear that uh-huh. your your stepmother you know that her heart was in the right place when you did share what you had been through and I hope that that was in some way some sort of soothing balm to you with the the pain that you've suffered with not being Oh released. yes.
1: Well, you know, and thinking that she knew and didn't support me either course there was a huge gap in the relationship between she and i and my father and myself so cool. i wanted out of that house so bad you know and um and there was an well there was another time i tried to commit suicide because um after i was raped there was a guy that went to school with us that worked at a store nearby our school that we would all go to at lunch and you know back in the days that i was in the teenager of course you could buy a pack of cigarettes when you were five years old you know
0: and Tons it was have the changed
1: cool, <laughs> yes and it was the cool thing to do as a teenager to smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes so um well this guy asked me and nine other girls out and at different times that we as we went to the store he worked there and um we had all turned him down and so he laced us with PCP and L S D causing us to have some really bad um I don't know what to call it, you know, just Her really bad. And, yes. They yeah. were horrible and scary and times I I didn't know who my own dad was, you know, things like that. But there was time my father was a police officer. And this wasn't funny this night, but it's it brings joy and the laughter to me now so i want to make you laugh for a minute um i was in the high school band and i had to turn a right face and when i did they some of the band members were behind me and they looked like the military to me with weapons and i thought in my head they were after me to kill me and i took off running off the football field during this show out of the feel out of the parking lot across the street into this lady's bushes hiding and like i said my father was a police officer so the lady called the police and my father just happens to be the one that comes up on the scene she says over there someone's in the bushes and they have something shiny i think it might be a weapon oh and when my dad God. comes over to the bush and he has his gun drawn out and he's saying stand up and put your hands over your head and i stood up he goes what are you doing here you know immediately he knew something wasn't right so he took me to the hospital right away but yeah i was relieved to know it was my father that was there but um, and at the time i didn't know how i ended up in that lady's bushes but someone had to share that story with me but I can picture that now being someone up in the in this in the stands at the football game. Where is she going? What? I kind of had this image
0: of um, Forrest Gump um, when you know Jenny saying to him, "Run, Forrest, run!" I've heard someone say that before too. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad all's well that ends well in that
1: situation um yeah because they, they ended up going and they, it took them a few months to figure out what was going on with us all and my dad witnessed other girls having the same kind of episodes or yeah. so to speak that I was and they finally figured out because they took the cigarettes that I had and tested them And they had the drugs in them.
0: Wow. So So was
1: he charged then? Yeah, they were to raid his house. And when they did, he pulled a gun on an officer. And so he was shot and killed. Oh, wow. But when my dad came home and shared that with me, that's when I, you know, I felt it was my, I still felt it was my fault. Because if I didn't smoke the cigarettes, it wouldn't have happened. If I wouldn't have went to the store, he wouldn't have asked me, out, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so that's when I've tried to c- commit suicide for the first time.
0: Wow. <sighs> You've been and- through so much. And that was, you know, like that's at a very young age, very young impressionable age still. And so what happened from that point then? Daisy did you um did you fall into another abusive relationship
1: I did um I like I said I wanted out of the home because I felt like I wasn't getting support you know yeah Um, and by this time of course I'm thinking okay I'm a Christian I go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and this was back then I said I've been I've won second place in the state of Texas Bible drill. I know the Bible from the front to the back I go to church camp every year. So it's like, why God, why are you doing these things to me and my cars? You know, so I started to lose my faith at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have had this really huge crush on this, this guy in this school and we ended up going together and by my, after my seven, my junior prom, I was 16, but I had her when I was 17. I got pregnant and had a daughter at 17. After I had her, I moved out and we moved in with him and his family. So I finally got out of that house. So it was, it was a relief to me. Mm-hmm. I was a mom. I had a husband. I had a different life going on, you know. I finished high school. Then we had another daughter. And then I had a son and they witnessed um, well, I have to say I'm proud of how they turned out. They're all grown now but they witnessed so much abuse. So much violence because he would beat me in front of them. And sometimes it, it's so bad it was like a manslaughter. I remember one time there was blood all over the kitchen floor and the refrigerator and um, I had to go to the emergency room and have three layers of stitches in my head and I always gave gave excuses, you know, oh, I fell over the step while I was bringing groceries in the house or, you know, things like that. I never told the truth. Can can I
0: ask you, because this is a question that, you know, we're trying to change this question because so many people, They can't contemplate why a woman stays in a relationship, okay? And um, so when you're going through this and, you know, you're making excuses, can you just shed a bit of light on what was causing you to keep what was going on for you, the reality of it, hidden, um because i i know that there would have been very good reasons why you would have done that because you were perhaps you know fearful of any repercussions if you told the truth about what was happening to you plus you hadn't been believed when you were a child and you were going through abuse so yes can you just shed a bit of light because I've just you know like thrown a couple of possibilities in but of course you know I'm jumping to conclusions that I don't necessarily know what was you know behind that but you know, if you feel comfortable sharing oh, that, yes. I'd really appreciate that because I think it's really important for people to understand what goes on for women and why it's not as simple as just leaving that relationship.
1: Absolutely, Sandy. Um, and you have pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, for me though, too, it was, that's all I'd known, you know, was pain. And so I thought, that's life. That's that's what life is supposed to be. I didn't know any different, you know. And I was scared of the repercussions, like you said, of if I left. I tried to leave a couple of times. I did. But then you always hear, oh, I won't do it anymore. You know, it'll be different. And, of course, you want to believe that. But with me, I, I too, I had the three children, and I thought you're you've, you're supposed to stay with, as a family. You want that, but I knew it wasn't right. Also, I didn't I didn't feel like I had anywhere else to go. But and my kids saw it, and I'm thinking they thought it was normal too, you know. And I didn't want them to have to live that kind of life. So finally, after 11 years. I did get out of it and my son was my youngest child and he was five years old so my oldest had witnessed it she was nine years old that's all she had known for nine years. So with
0: your children you said that they've they're all grown up now and they're okay so do you see, are they in healthy relationships now, or have they, you know, been susceptible to falling into relationships that are toxic or abusive?
1: Um, my oldest daughter, I don't think she's wanted to stay involved in a committed relationship because of that. She's 31, so, um, and she's still single, so I think she's been in some long term like her last relationship was eight years but she doesn't commit to them you know um like to marriage or anything because i do believe she she fears what comes after that Mm. my middle daughter my, my youngest daughter my middle child she's been in the same relationship i guess for about five years and they do pretty well. I mean, they do really good, actually. I just bought a house, and they both have really great jobs. And I asked her about, about it one time if they were going to get married, and she said, why, I don't want to change what we have, you know. My oldest, uh, or my son, um, he is with a girl, and I've asked him about her, and he's not happy. And I don't know if that will last, but. They're not, not none of the three of them are married. And he's twenty-seven. Yeah. And they've all said they're they're not gonna have children.
0: Isn't that interesting? So it's really, really different. Like my um my children there's similarities, they're, you know, that none of them are really, I think, no, look, the, the, I've got four children and, uh, you know, two of them are like, no, not really seeing children in my future. And the other two, are, yeah, maybe. I've got one who just basically says, I'll just adopt a child and, you know, not have my own children. So um, perhaps from their That's own. That's what my, yeah. Uh- yeah, that's what my
1: youngest daughter said she said there's too many children out there without a home yeah. so if i do have a child it's going to be by adoption yeah
0: which is is lovely and i think you know like they've been through some really tough things that you never wish upon any child to you know be witness to or or go through in their life and um and so that would you know like it it does affect their outlook on parenting and, you know, what it is to be a parent for a child. So I'm completely, you know, um, okay with what my children are choosing and um, their point of view about life because of the lens that they're looking through at life through because of their own experiences it's completely fair enough so i'm glad to hear that your kids are you know like from the sounds of it are all um are all pretty good you know so um yeah that's really lovely to hear that Daisy because as a parent that's all you ever wish for your children is for them to be happy and
1: um, and
0: yeah just it, it doesn't really matter what they're doing in their life um as long as they're happy and healthy and you know they've got their heads screwed on right basically
1: right yeah
0: and it's it's really reassuring when you know your kids have been through trauma in their um upbringing to see them being okay as adults it, it, because it can lead to um you know to trouble in adulthood for um, some children who have been through these types of experiences so that's
1: what I was worried about them you know I didn't want them to think that that was normal and that they had like for my son to hit his girlfriend or whatever you know I didn't want them to think that that's okay actually it's kind of the other way around my son is in an abusive relationship but it's the other way around other
0: way around yeah it's it doesn't always happen that it's the male who's exactly the abuse um I think there's you know potential for everybody to you know exhibit abusive behaviors uh it doesn't matter what gender you are so um I think for me yes,
1: that's the it's, point I tried to make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's really about taking responsibility for yourself and your own behaviors and um, having that ability to be self-reflective and self-righting. So you know, we, I think we've all got, I mean, you, you've had a Christian upbringing, I had a Christian upbringing, so we've got a very strong moral compass in us that guides us as to what's right and what's wrong, um, and that can perhaps burden us at times to having... This um, carrying this weight, the responsibility of knowing that um, our actions, that there's a cause and effect to our actions. Like you said, you know, like even though you, you were not to blame in any way, shape, or form for what happened to you with that guy who was lacing the cigarettes with the drugs, you felt a level of responsibility. You know, and that that's a burden when it you know that becomes a real burden when you're carrying that around. Um, yeah, I hope that you're free of that now, Daisy. You know that that weight that you were carrying.
1: I am um, the book. I believe it really gave me great lightness and relief. You Fantastic. Know. Please tell us about the book. Unexpected moments, which all of those moments in my life were unexpected. Um, and everyone has unexpected moments. You don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or the next day. You know, they're all unexpected moments. But it just shares all the trials and tribulations that I had to endure. And I believe that I went through those things to make me strong, to be who I am today, my youngest daughter is actually the artist that painted the, the cover.
0: It's gorgeous. So, I'm looking at it right now, and it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, put
1: it up here. We can see it a little better too.
0: Yeah, it's so, beautiful. It
1: has all my, my my journey, you know, my hurdles. Yes. There's the barricade and then the road it goes over mountains. Yeah. There's a broken bridge over here on the mountain. And finally, I'm going to get to have freedom in heaven yeah. with, the, with the Lord. So um, she did a great job. I was really surprised. I mean, she's an artist. Of course, I didn't doubt that she would do a good job. But I just told her what I wanted. And there she she, she did it. It's beautiful. But I didn't. Never think I would write a book that's it's not an easy thing to
0: write a book it's this is a massive accomplishment for you did you um, go down that path of self-publishing with this book
1: actually I, I went with the publisher with this one because I had no idea where I was going and yeah. I had no idea how long and we'll get into that I'm sure but about the, di- the diagnosis. But I had no no idea. How long I'd be here. So I wanted to make sure it got out. You know. If I didn't before it did. You know. If I, if I wasn't here before it came out. I wanted to make sure it, it got out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, writing the book. Is the story on its own. I was diagnosed. With a rare terminal. Neurological condition. Last year and um, there's a lot of research on that condition going on in australia i see i read about it all the time
0: so tell yeah tell us about your diagnosis daisy
1: it's 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 called msa it's known as multi-system atrophy and it's much like parkinson's actually only four um, out of every one hundred thousand people in the United States are diagnosed with it. That's how rare it is. so
0: uh-huh.
1: they, there's no cure. Um, it it's your brain um, functions. Um, with all your autonomic functions, you know, your breathing, your respiratory system, your circulatory system, your digestive system, all those kinds of things that you don't have to think about that your body does for you. They start shutting down and um, it happens really fast. First thing you lose is mobility. So I lost my mobility. I mean, quickly, um, my husband had to quit his job last September because I kept falling and, and busting my head open. Oh my God. We didn't you know, we were I got diagnosed with Parkinson's, so I thought I had Parkinson's for about two years. Um and then my last Parkinson's doctor, he thought it, I was delusional that <laughs> it was just in my head and I'm like no sir, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have to, you know. So he sent me to a movement disorder specialist. And this is at a neuroscience center. And when he first looked at me, he shook his head. And he said, this isn't Parkinson's. I believe you have MSA. And I said, well, what's that, you know. And am I, I going to be fixed? Can you fix me? He said, no, I'm sorry. There isn't a cure because it's so rare. So, um. Prognosis on it, the life expectancy, (coughs) excuse me, is five to seven years. And I first started having symptoms about four and a half years ago. Yeah, that's why we have to, uh, 10% of proceeds from my book are going to the charity DefeatMSA.org. Um, so that they can research more, have them you know get the funds they need to research, and hopefully one day find a cure for this. Um, I love how all the countries are coming together. Like our board, our director for MSA, he goes to Australia and New Zealand and other countries that are also coming together and they're all researching it into find a cure. There's a couple of clinical trials going on in Australia right now and they're making some pretty good headway with it. So they're bringing one of those clinical trials to the U.S. But It starts next month but my doctor said I had progressed too far so I can't be eligible for the clinical trial. But so after I got that diagnosis, God came to me in a vision and he said, I need you to tell your story from the beginning. You don't have much time left. My child. And the vision was very beautiful. It was a big bright light, a right white, white, bright light. And hands came out of it as a prayer. And then they opened up wide and they said it. And since I've been having dreams about heaven,
0: oh.
1: and every dream I have, I get a little more peace. It feels a little more peaceful. Tell
0: us about writing... your, tell us about your dreams of heaven, Daisy. I think people would love to have a glimpse into that beautiful dream.
1: Well, they're going to get that glimpse because I just finished my second book. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It is called Beyond Heaven's Gates. And it is about all my dreams because the dreams, it was like a big movie. They picked up right where they left off each time I had the next dream. And so I felt that God was telling me People have their doubts of heaven and I need you to share these glimpses of heaven just so that people know there is life after death, that there is eternal life, there is peace, there is no pain, there's walking again for me. Each dream I had, I was walking and I was seeing the most beautiful, indescribable things. I was greeted by My family, we had a huge homecoming feast at a table that was longer than you could see. And it just had generations and after generations, after generations of family all sitting there. People that I didn't really know, I've only seen in pictures, you know, but everyone was there, including my, I've been happily married for 12 years now, and his mother... Passed away in 2016. And she was there. She was always the one. To put her hands on her hips. And just kind of smirk. You know. And uh, the night before my husband's birthday. Is when I had that dream. And she said. I need you to tell Eugene. Happy birthday for me. And I will see you soon. My child. Or my sweetie. So. I've been united with my real mom and I knew who she was immediately. And I, I said, She said, it's time for you to go back now, you know, and at the end of the dream. And I was like, I'm not ready to go back. I want to stay here with you. And she said, You'll be here soon enough. And I'm like, well, I can't wait, you know, I'm ready to be here. So I felt like at first for this book, that I wasn't gonna be here till Christmas. I just had that, that that feeling. But then, after having these dreams and writing the second book, I feel like God's given me more time because He's not done with me. I have work to do still. <clears throat> well, I would um, encourage anyone
0: who's listening to this interview to um, to get. Daisy's book Unexpected Moments and Daisy um as soon as you have your other book published please let me know and you know and I would really love to share that also with the listeners um thank you so much for sharing that because I think you know we live in this physical world and it's even people who have faith. And faith can be very easily um, knocked about, you know. Um, So if anyone has, you know, like has faith and you have your doubts uh, about heaven, I'd encourage you to get Daisy's upcoming book when it comes out. I know I'll certainly be getting both of your books Uh, I can't wait to to read both of them they sound absolutely amazing so Daisy um, I feel very privileged that you have taken the time to have a conversation with me and having this conversation with you really highlights how precious time is And time is the one commodity in life that um, we cannot take for granted because we don't get more than what we get. There is a finite amount of time that each of us have here on earth um, in these physical forms and to be free of, Um, abuse I'm so encouraged to hear that you're in a good relationship with a good man and that you have been for 12 years you've been with somebody who um, has shown you love and um, has treated you with the respect that you deserve Um, I'm so glad to hear that and that gives other women hope that they too can find a good man
1: and you'd be surprised that that love and that hope might be right in front of you and it always had been like in my case my husband now I've known him since I was five years old oh (laughs) wow so he's he knows my whole life story you know it made it easier to transition into it his mom she knew she knew we were going to be together um eight years before we got together and and I asked him out for first and 10th grade to a, a Sadie Hawkins dance and he turned me down and then in 2000, when I divorced my husband, the father of my children, he asked me out. I turned him down. I said, nope, I asked you out. You said no. So you had your chance. <laughs> and then in 12, we've been together 14 years. So 14 years ago, he, we just mutually, after my last um, assault, where I really nearly lost my life. He was the one that I came home to. He helped me as a friend because we've always been friends, but unloaded my U-Haul and then asked me to watch a movie with him. And about two months later, we just mutually kissed and we've been together ever since. So it was mutual this time. It was the right time. That's and I know that. And I'm glad he was here for me when I came back home after my assault. Um new york state where i nearly lost my life
0: i'm so moved by your story daisy i'm just so incredibly moved and i'm so grateful to you for everything that you've shared with us in this conversation um uh, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners? any um, any last sort of um, words of inspiration or encouragement?
1: Yes, I'm like you, Sandy. I say, don't take life for granted because you never know, you know. One day you can walk eleven flights of stairs three times a day, or do yoga, um, every day, or Pilates, or you know some major running four or five miles a day, and be thankful for that each day. Thank God for that, because you, you I even I would would say thank him for the basic tasks that you can do, brushing your teeth and brushing your hair, and giving yourself bath and washing your own hair thank him for those things because you never know that rug could be pulled out from under you one day and you can't do those things anymore and that's why that's for me I have to rely on my husband 100 percent to wash my hair and do all those things for me now so
0: that's great that's what I say that's great advice Don't take anything for granted. Yeah, I love that. Um, Now, I always ask my guests this question. So because this podcast is called the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, what does that mean to you as a woman?
1: We have our tiara or our crown, so to speak, because we were strong enough to make it through all those tears and triumphs that we did have. But those were challenges to get us where we, were, where we are today. So put your crown on and keep it straight, you know. And smile, because you did it. And you are strong and you are courageous. And I believe those things too from my last stream that I had. And I saw the attributes on the 20 thrones of the elders. And only I read three of them. But they were empathy, courage, and inspiration. And I knew that I only saw those three because God wanted me to. Because that's what he plans on having me do for to the, to the world. You know, to the other people in the world. I want to be empathetic with you and what you're going through. And hopefully you can get out of any situation you may be in. So you can enjoy the rest of your life and be happy. I hope you have the courage to do so. And I hope my story inspires you to do so.
0: That's beautiful. Thanks so much, Daisy, for being a guest on today's show.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me today, Sandy. It was my pleasure.
0: If you would like to be a part of a growing community to fast track your healing journey, you can do this in a couple of ways. One way you can do this is to become a supporter of this podcast by becoming a patron. This will help me to help you and other people just like you to discover the resources that are included in this podcast to help you rise back up after hitting rock bottom, after experiencing different forms of abuse. And like I said, you can do this by becoming a patron of this podcast. It's super easy. Just go to the episode notes and click on the link to become a patron. When you are a patron, you will receive exclusive bonuses like the behind the scenes audio files with deep and meaningful insights from conversations with guests that are not included in the podcast interviews plus there are a range of special building blocks to help you to rebuild your life so go check it out and you can join the growing rise up with tiara's tears and triumphs facebook group with over 400 members where you can troubleshoot issues you're having every victim and every survivor of abuse has expertise and being part of a community of peers gives you a safe place to get answers to questions that you have and to share what you know with others again just go to the episode notes to become a member of the group today we all go through dark times when we do we often feel alone This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, a note of encouragement If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another and if you need to try another until you have one that is the right fit for you tune in again for the tiara's tears and triumphs podcast helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow hosted by me sandy J. this program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset Spells out how to spot the red flags. Advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning. Gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough. Teaches empowerment strategies. Acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally, to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen i am a life change facilitator i help women regain control over their lives you can find me at sandyj.com.au hey now can you just pause a moment before you go because i need you to share your light and leave a review can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in itunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust. It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe